Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, featured columnist at CLNS Radio, familiar voice here on Celtics Beat, and of course, author of the now critically acclaimed Fall of the Boston Celtics. Thank you to all those who have downloaded the book. Your appreciation only serves as a validation. And to those still interested in claiming your free copy that you are obligated to as a Celtics or an NBA fan, go to www.clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. That's clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. But for now, we know why you're here. To listen to the number one Boston Celtics podcast on the web, Celtics Beat. Brought to you by lynda.com. Now, on with the show. Victory! What a great week. Of course, it's officially been two years since we've been on the air. We've had great, incredible recent success. And I must use this time to give a shout-out to all the people that work hard behind the scenes to make this all possible here at Celtics Beat. We've got great members of the staff. I strongly suggest checking out their wit and work on clnsradio.com. Much appreciation, Pat Tomlinson. Corey Prescott, Rich Conti, Michael Longy, Jess Thomas, obviously our staff writer, Eddie Santiago. Lest we not forget the, all the great content the Guard Report provides this show, as well as our audience. Thank you, Jared Weiss, and your team. Obviously, got to thank the sponsor of the show, Linder.com and Peak Organic Brewing Company. Definitely like to thank all the great guests we've had come on this show, the whole Boston Celtics organization, which has been great to us. And obviously just recently, Brent Barry, Sean Devaney. Got two more great guests today for you. Checking in with Kyle Draper of Comcast Sportsnet New England and Josh Planos of the Washington Post and Wash Street Journal. And obviously, thank you, audience, the number one podcast on the web which covers the Boston Celtics. You're the one that makes us all possible, and that's why we try our best to give back like to have some contests, reward some lucky fans, and y'all know what we're doing now. Two tickets to see the Celtics take on the Grizzlies this month. Just like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Add us to your circles on Google+, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Leave a comment to enter to win a pair of tickets to see the return of Jeff Green and one of the best teams in the NBA face is the Celtics. Gear up for the playoff chase. All aboard the playoff bandwagon. Once again, to finish out a week, three wins in a row, seven out of their last ten. What a great come-from-behind win. Friday night against the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, where do we start with that? I guess we can start in more general terms here. The more the number one goal of the season, obviously, was that improvement. And uh, Wow, what a difference a few months makes. In November and December, this was the worst team in human history at finishing professional basketball games. Blowing more double-digit leads in two months than any Celtics team has done in a single season in their history but in just two months. Remember that? And now, wow, Brad Stevens, he's got this team fighting hard at the bitter end of every game. Going back, obviously, the Atlanta game right before the All-Star break where they came back from two huge deficits in that game. That Lakers game, which they lost, a game where I thought once they did lose that game— that pretty much any playoff hopes were gone after that. But no, sir, they've certainly rallied here. They had a great comeback in that game. They just couldn't get it done in overtime. And then, obviously, on a back-to-back, holding off a good Suns team on the second night of a back-to-back. I have to emphasize that again, on the road. And now two monster fourth quarters returning home against the Knicks. Friday night against Charlotte. 
37 points in the fourth quarter. It seems like just yesterday this team was scoring, 20, you know, 37 points in the second half of games. They were blowing 20-point leads. I mean, this team is really finding their groove, really finding confidence. This is a team that it's still 10 games under 500, but you can just see a lot. they're making great strides here. This is a team that definitely believes in itself, and it's never been more evident. This team's fighting an identity, and I think Isaiah Thomas, he didn't bring just talent. We'll definitely get to that shortly, but he brought a spirit, I mean, an attitude, a swag. If you, I don't want to use that word. You know where I'm going. It starts with SW and it ends with G, but the fire, it's there, and it's just something that you just sort of sense it. You felt it in the building Friday night. You felt it while listening to the broad, broadcast on Comcast Sportsnet. I mean, Mike Gorman was calling the tenuous moments of that game like it was the seventh game of the NBA Finals. He was enthusiastic, to say the least. Uh, and that's because the naked eye to the fans, they're clearly feeding off the energy that guys like Thomas are bringing. Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, even Jonas Jarepko these last few games, for goodness sake. And these guys are producing, but the effort is just so transparent. And that's what you want because it becomes contagious. Gets everyone else involved in the team to buy in. Gets the fans engaged at home, which obviously all the players can feed off even more. So, yeah, things are good. I'm, I'm obviously, I'm talking about this team like this is some 65-win powerhouse right now. But considering that what most Celtics fans and what most Celtics observers have had to deal with the last year and a half, which has more like seemed like five years, quite frankly, uh, the, the emotions, they are running high, to say the least. So, obviously, the Celtics are going to need this. And while they've been playing much better, they're building up some confidence. And the key will be maintaining that during these adverse times because, again, ad, excuse me, adverse times are going to set in here because the Celtics, they're probably going to be losing some games coming up. Obviously, first off, March. Oh, by the way, thanks, God, it's March 1st, for goodness sake. February was just awful enough, especially if you lived here in New England, but... Back to March in the NBA. March is going to be a, a brutal month for the Celtics. They First off, they've got a lot of games. There's some back-to-backs in there, and there's obviously a lot of good teams they got to play. Obviously, the big one tonight, Golden State's in town. So we'll be discussing that with the hosts of Celtics pre- and post-game live. Once again, Comcast Sportsnet's Kyle Draper. Can't wait to get him back into the show. He's always been a great, great guest, and all the great work that he does over there on Comcast. Obviously, Golden State. Then you get Cleveland this week, some road games against the, the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Spurs. Obviously, the Grizzlies are going to be in town, which with their size alone is just not a good matchup for the Celtics. We know the Clippers are here at the end of the month, so there's a lot of meat in there. There's a lot of meat in there for the Celtics, so this team is really going to be tested, to say the very least. So it was very important for this team not to get, you know, not to get down on themselves after these games once they're played, but very important for this team to really get some momentum going. Because they are most definitely going to need it. And they hopefully will not be getting down on themselves after some of these games. If and when they do drop a couple of these games. And hopefully it is just a couple. Because remember there were some big W's in there recently. Obviously the Hawks. But they're going to have to find a way to dig down and stay upbeat. If the adversity does return. Which I mean. I actually feel pretty confident, and I think that they will because, as I mentioned, the spirit on this team has been pretty good all year regardless, and obviously now it has exploded, especially with the attitude that I think that Thomas has brought and Jay Crowder brought a few months ago. So 
Whether or not this is going to be good enough to earn a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, who knows? But things look pretty good right now, and there's a, but there's a lot of teams that the Celtics have to deal with. I know they're not good teams, but there's just a lot of teams, so that takes the, 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 the brings the percentages into play. And most importantly, the schedule is just going to get that much tougher in March, that much busy, busier, and the pressure is going to set in. It's going to be pretty interesting to watch to see how some of these young players respond to that pressure and respond to having to fight for a playoff spot on a night-in and night-out basis. But that is a good thing. This is very good experience that this team can acquire going forward. That's, that is what we want. We want to see this team have an opportunity to grow. We want to see this team have an opportunity to move forward because, personally, I think that there's something there. And I want to get back, obviously, now to Isaiah Thomas. Can we say enough? What a pickup. I mentioned this earlier about his talent. I mean, talk about giving the Celtics what they needed. They, I mean, they had no one on this team that could dribble, no one on this team that could get to the foul line, no one on this team that could take his man off the dribble, no one on this team that could create his own shot in tense moments toward the end of games. One trade, bang, they got a guy. I mean, he's not a superstar, but he filled a lot of glaring voids on this team, which was preventing this team from even being just a below-average team. So, so far with that trade, it has been an absolute home run, especially when you consider what they gave up. And one of the weaknesses, or not weaknesses, but one of the detriments that we discussed with Sean Devaney on the show last week was his attitude. By all accounts, I know it's just been a week and a half here, but he's been pretty much the perfect match. Just obviously, it's big that he knew Avery Bradley from his time growing up in Seattle. But so far, the perfect match, the perfect trade, and I even—I guess I got to even get into the other guy here, Jonas Jarepko, who was picked up from Detroit for Tayshawn Prince. I mean, where has this come these last two games? It could just be a hot shooting performance and that his confidence is sky high, but that's certainly infectious in its own right. Will it continue? I, I don't know. But I tell you what, the backup big off the bench is surely going to be interesting to watch when Kelly Olenek comes back because, yeah, Jarepko, I don't expect him to keep shooting like this going forward, but he's just far more active on both ends of the court than more so than Olenek is. And, and that's really what this team has been about ever since they've been putting this together back when they were out west uh, at the end of January with that big win in Portland. So that's really been a big part about, of their recent success. So... I guess it's a good problem for the team to have because, if anything, maybe it does you know, incite Olenek to maybe be a little more active and work harder in practice so that way he can earn his minutes back because he's certainly going to have to earn those minutes away from Jarepko. But obviously there's one guy now I have to. I mean, this is unbelievable, right? Uh, I mean, the amount of kudos that I have to give out. Like I said, it's like this team is a 65-win powerhouse or is just coming off a championship or returning war heroes. But... I think the accomplishments of this season are, I mean, you, when you just consider all this team went through, they've had, what, 25 players on this roster? The fact that this team isn't playing out the string in March and mailing it in when all the people that came and went and all the just horrendous losses, and to see this team playing like this is, to me, I, it, flabbergasting. It's, I, I never expected this, but at this time of the year, it, with all the trades that they had to make, in all the roster moves and the injuries and the terrible losses, I personally expected this this part of the season to be pretty much just like last year was, where it was almost just like, just get this over with. But, I mean, this team is just playing hard for themselves. They're playing hard for the coach. Whatever it is, they're, they are doing a great job, and that's going to be really good moving forward. And we're this far into the show, and I haven't mentioned, well, I did mention his team briefly earlier, but Jay Crowder, I mean, can we say enough about him? 
I mean, that trade, boy, does that look good right now with sending out Rajon Rondo. Remember, I spoke with Rick Grossbeck about this and the energy and the defensive commitment that he brought to the entire team with his arrival. It has been invaluable, and that's what he told me, and that's what I think anybody can see with the naked eye. And Friday night and even games earlier this week, he's now contributing offensively as well. So that's almost like a huge bonus in its own right when you consider night in and night out, he's going to bring it for you defensively. You know, it's funny. You hear a lot about a true Yankee or a true Celtic, all the, you know, the throwback franchises, and how they weren't just Ruth and Gehrig and Mantle and DiMaggio or Bird, Russell, Havlicek, but it was the Paul O'Neills and the Scott Brociuses and the Mickey Rivers. And I guess with the Celtics, you know, Kendrick Perkins, Jim Leskatoff. And you kind of get that sense with Crowder, right? I mean, he's that kind of glue guy. He's just that kind of player. And he just seems like a Celtic. You know, he's a blue-collar guy, a team guy. He plays really for the greater good, and he would just excel that much more if he's on a true championship contender. So you hope, you pray that that's going to be here in Boston, and obviously, hopefully soon. But uh, all aboard the Playoff Express, ladies and gentlemen. Send those tanks back to Russia. Send them back to Tiananmen Square. You can forget all about that nonsense. It's March 1st. It's time to gear up for the most relevant month of Celtics basketball in two years. You're listening to the Celtics Beat Podcast, powered by Lynda.com. We'll be back after these words with Kyle Draper of Comcast Sportsnet, New England. Hi, this is Jeff Kane, Patriots content manager for CLNSRadio.com. Won't you please give a listen to our podcast, Patriots Beat, here on clnsradio.com. You can find us on iTunes by going to www.clnsradio.com slash patsofbeat, iTunes, or on the Stitcher app, www.clnsradio.com slash patsofbeatstitcher. This is a must-listen to any true New England Patriots fan. Hi, this is Sean Backey from CLNS Radio and the Evening Score Sports Podcast. Kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 4,500 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts and new courses are added to the site every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, find work-life balance, invest in a new hobby, ask your boss for a raise, or even find a new job or improve upon the current job skills in 2015, lynda.com has something for everyone. Now, if you sign up today for the free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash CLNS, you'll get the benefits of unlimited access to every course on lynda.com. You'll also get access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone and Android mobile devices, as well as access to new courses added every week. Some of the courses that were recommended for me uh, include analyzing your website to improve SEO, viral marketing, and web analytics fundamentals. Do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for the free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash CLNS. Go ahead, I challenge you to learn something new in 2015.
Okay, let's welcome back Kyle Draper from Comcast Sportsnet back into the show. He's a, Kyle's the host of Celtics pre and post game live. Our interview with Kyle is brought to you by the Red Sox Beat Podcast. Don't have six hours of your life to sit through a Major League Baseball game nightly? Well, tune into Red Sox Beat every Monday and get your Sox and baseball fix in under 60 minutes rather than watching your life rot away as David Ortiz brings everything to a screeching halt to go through his idiotic and pointless routines. That's Red Sox Beat, available every Monday on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNS Radio mobile app. Well, Kyle, me and you got into it a little bit moments after that Isaiah Thomas trade went down on Twitter. And I say got into it just to embellish and maybe incite our audience to follow the both of us on Twitter. But, you know, we had an exchange, and it was done so under the premise that while you like the trade, you still wanted to see more from the Celtics. After seeing Thomas play these past few games, do you still feel that way? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is a good player. I mean, but if, if we're counting on uh, Isaiah Thomas to be, you know, uh, one of the big three to lead the Celtics to a championship, uh, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're sorely mistaken. Uh, I, you know, I want to, after covering this team for, this is my sixth season, I think it is now, I miss the days of 2010 or 2009, and you know, when they were in the playoffs year in and year out and with a legitimate chance to go deep. And so, you know, this is our second season of a rebuild, basically, and I'm ready to see it, you know, trending upwards. And Isaiah Thomas is a nice first move, but that's exactly what it is to me, Larry, a first move. I mean, this team still needs a whole lot of uh, pieces if it wants to be considered true contenders. Yeah, I just don't think, though, my my argument is I just don't think that that guy is out there, comma, yet. Uh, I mean, I know the big free agents this summer are Marcus Ole and LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, but they're just – they're not really attainable for the Celtics. And in terms of trading for someone, there's actually really no one on the trade market. I actually had Sean Devaney on the show last week, and he and he reiterated that himself, that there's no one out there. I know the news today was that DeMarcus Cousins could be potentially on the market this summer because of, you know, what George Carl, quote-unquote, might think of him. Obviously, that's from sources that I, you know, I'm not attained to. But I just don't think that guy's out there. And if you look back at the rebuild back from 2003-2007, the way that they got Ray Allen and Garnett was they made a lot of trades that made them incrementally better. I mean, you look at how they traded Eric Williams and Tony Batiste for Ricky Davis. They traded Ricky Davis for Wally Zerbiak in a first-round pick. They traded the first-round pick as part of the Garnett deal. And they traded Zerbiak as part of a package to get Ray Allen. So I think that's how this is how we can not look at this Isaiah Thomas trade in itself, No. Well, I mean, and, and who knows? Isaiah may be, you know, down the line. You, you may trade Isaiah Thomas in the pick for somebody or something like that. My thing is, I guess I'm impatient, uh, Larry. You know, I'm watching the Patriots win Super Bowls. I'm watching the Red Sox uh, win, win titles. And I'm watching, you know, the Bruins go deep into the postseason. And covering the Celtics majority, for me, I want, I want to be a part of that. You know, I, I want to see this team back sooner rather than later. And, and so – I, I, Isaiah Thomas is a nice player, but I, I can't get too excited until I see, you know, the, the full plan that Danny Ainge shows us. And you're right. This, to me, this is just the first step. And, and you're right about there might not be that guy out there to acquire. But, man, you got so many assets. And is, is this going to take another two to three years to get that guy? Are we going to build through the draft? You know, I I'm impatient, Larry. I deal with these guys every day, every night, 90 games a season, including uh, preseason, and it's been tough, you know? I mean, we're 20-something you know, wins right now, and so I, I want to see this turnaround happen sooner rather than later. I think it will. It's just, it's, it's, just the, it's just really a case of if you want an immediate turnaround, it's just that the right guy has to be out there on the market. 
And I also think that we're watching that this this team grow this year. I mean, we're seeing them play much better basketball recently. And considering they've had, what, 25 guys or whatever it is on the roster this year, and that they've still been able not just you know play competitively, but I, I think play with a lot of effort the way that Stevens has got these guys to buy in. I mean, when, when you consider that, you know, I mean, how do you sell Celtic pride? Or, you know, you know, fight for your teammate when you could be out the door the next day. So I personally think that, the, the, I mean, I understand it, you know, the impatience, but you also have to take what's given to you. Yeah, but here's you have to understand also, Larry, the reaction to the Isaiah Thomas trade was like they had just acquired LeBron James from some people on Twitter. And, and you know, to me, Isaiah Thomas is a role player on a good team. I mean, he's looking good right now because he can get – 15, 16 shots a game. He, he can get, you know, 30 minutes. I mean, but in, in terms of being a quality, you know, a, a top five player on, on a championship team, Isaiah Thomas just isn't it. I mean, there's a reason why he's had three teams in the last year, you know? And so I, I'm just trying to temper expectations about Isaiah Thomas. I am excited that finally it, it seems to be that Ainge is, you know, not in the asset acquiring mode, but maybe in the player acquiring mode where, you know, He's getting talent back in some of these deals. It, you know, to me, it was a sign when he traded that first-round pick that, all right, now he's trying to acquire talent to be a part of banner number 18. But, uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas is a good player, but that's all he is, he's a good player. So I, I'm, I'm, I don't get too excited over that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was very enthusiastic of the trade, not so much because I thought that the Celtics were getting some sort of player that was going to turn the franchise around in a day like Kevin Garnett or someone else along his ill could, but it was just more of a verification of, I thought, you know, how good of a general manager Danny Ainge is and how patient he's willing to be where he's willing to sort of, you know, wait around and wait for that perfect opportunity to capitalize. And, I mean, Isaiah Thomas, yeah, he's not a game changer, but he, he's a pretty solid player. And, I mean, they got him basically for nothing. But that's just sort of how I feel about that. I definitely want to move forward here to the game tonight because the Celtics have been playing much better, bas- as we mentioned, much better basketball recently. We know that they're in a playoff push for the eighth seed. I know it isn't, you know, it's like the, what the Carolina Panthers winning the division at 6-9-1 and one or whatever it is. But, I mean, they're playing much better basketball. They're they're fighting for a playoff spot. And now they've played some patsies recently. And we can't say that tonight against Golden State. So how's this one going to play out? Well, you know, I, I think these next two games are true tests for the Celtics. Just to find out where they are. You know, Golden State out on this long uh, road trip right now. And then you have Cleveland on Tuesday. And so... This Golden State team is going to be a tough matchup. You know, the, the thing that the Celtics do have going for them in this matchup, Golden State strength is hopefully the, the Celtics strength also, defending uh, guards, you know. And so it'll be tough guarding Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm especially looking forward to Avery Bradley and what he's able to do out there. I mean, he's really turned up his game on both ends of the floor recently, and I think it's going to be interesting tonight. Yeah, you mentioned that matchup. That's actually been a matchup that's sort of been a sell for the past, I'd say, two years. The last two-year seasons, Golden State is coming. I remember there was a big game here in March, I think two years ago, where everybody, where Steph Curry was coming off like a 50-point game in Madison Square Garden, and everyone was like, how's he going to do against Avery Bradley? And Avery Bradley, I mean, I don't want to say he shut him down, but he played exceptional defense against him. So I think that's definitely going to be a matchup that we're really looking forward to. Uh, what channel is the game on tonight, by the way? Uh, Comcast Sports Center. Our coverage starts at uh, 5.30 with Celtics pregame live. And 
And I think tip-off's set for right around 6 o'clock. Yeah, no, I was about ready to say it's a big game, so you definitely think they'd have a pregame show for it. But <laughs> Every game, my friend, every I know. game. <laughs> but, yeah, Golden, I think the Celtics, you mentioned the Cleveland game. That's going to be – I don't want to say tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now. That's 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 probably a loss. But Golden State, they've actually notoriously struggled in Boston, even in recent yeah. years. And as you mentioned, they're at the end of a long road trip, so the Celtics could catch them in a good spot. This is a game I think that they could steal. Cleveland, I'm not sure about, but if I think they could give Golden State a fight tonight, because as you mentioned, it's not that bad of a matchup. You know, Golden State at the end of a long trip. Maybe they don't give them, you know, give the Celtics their A game. Maybe they don't even give them a B-minus game. Maybe they show up with a C or D game, the Celtics steal, and that would be certainly a pretty big to keep the momentum going here. Yeah, I mean, and you got to think, West Coast teams, uh, when, when they come to Boston, you know, always have a little bit of trouble. I mean, and it's an earlier start, not too early, but it's an earlier start than the usual, you know, 7 o'clock uh, 7.30 tip-offs, and so who knows? Maybe you steal one. I mean, but to me, it's going to take a, a full 48 minutes, and the Celtics have been doing a better job of that lately, but you got to. I think the key is going to be watch out for that big run, that big spurt, you know, where Clay and Steph, you know, hit two or three threes, and next thing you know, it's a 15-0 run or something like 18-0 run, and you look up, and you're down by 10 or 12. They have to avoid that. I give them a puncher's chance. I mean, they beat that Atlanta Hawks who were, you know, the, the best team in the East at the time when they came in here, and they beat them, so why not go to state? And it was sort of like a similar situation with the Hawks, as, as we mentioned. The Hawks were at the very end of a long road trip. Golden State's the end of a long road trip. So, yeah, you're right. I, I definitely think that they do have a puncher's chance tonight. But I want to move on, move on away from the Celtics. Of course, we're going to have to talk about this. you got to give me your take on the Rajon Rondo situation in Dallas. Obviously, all that happened on Wednesday and the ensuing days that followed. Give me a sort of lowdown on that. No, it's not surprising at all. Anybody that knows Rajon Rondo knows he's uh, butted heads with coaches for years. I had a chance of covering him back when he was uh, playing with Cubby Smith at Kentucky. And those two butted heads, you know, Rondo uh, wants to be the, the floor general out there, be the coach on the floor. And Cubby Smith back then, you know, did a lot of the play call, calling. And that rubbed Rondo the wrong way. And, and we saw the same thing the other night with Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle is barking out instructions and Rondo sort of ignoring him. And so I'm not surprised, you know, and, and I was talking to Aisha Rod Blake there, a Celtics insider who knows Rick Carlisle very well. And Carlisle is a strong-willed person also. So neither guy was going to back down. And, and so I'm not surprised. And I don't know if this uh, works out for Rondo in Dallas. I mean, they haven't been the same team since they acquired him. They actually, you know, play better, it seems like, without him, even though they, they lost, uh, I think it was a Wednesday night without him. And so, I don't know. I, I just think it, it might not work out for him. I think the reason that Rondo resigned there is money. I mean, they can offer the extra deal, but if I'm Dallas, it, it might not be worth the headache to keep him around. Yeah, it looks like they've already put in the feelers that it's not even going to work out in Dallas, and I think you even saw a report of, you know, Ron, you know Rondo, not Rondo himself, but that there have been some quote-unquote rumors that Rondo's first choice would be the Lakers, and that came out, what, a day after this incident or two days after the incident? So yeah. it seems like they're already starting to get ready, and it's funny because, I mean, is it kind of not like a complete lock that he becomes a Laker? I mean, I know your par- <laughs> your partner, Chris Mannix, has always, always mentioned don't kiss, discount the Knicks, and then it's funny because you sort of say to yourself, like, 
well, he wouldn't fit in the triangle. But then all of a sudden you, you realize it's the New York Knicks, who are the most moronic franchise in sports the last 40 years, <laughs> who have a glorious history of signing and trading for overrated, overpaid name players who'd be awful fits on their team. So I guess you really never know. Yeah, and, and the Knicks have the cap space this offseason. And, and you remember all those rumors a couple of years ago about Carmelo trying to recruit Rondo and, and things like that. And so uh, I think there's something to that, you know. But you also got to count in the Lakers, that, that breakfast meeting that Rondo and Kobe had when L.A. was in town uh, earlier this season. I mean, I, I read something into that. The only thing about the Lakers situation is Kobe's on his last leg. And so if you're Rondo, is, is that the best situation for you? I mean, Lakers will have a top five draft pick probably and some cap space, and, and maybe they can rebuild that way. But Kobe's on his last leg. If you're Rondo, do you go out there and just play one season with Kobe before he retires? And so it's L.A., though. You know, maybe Rondo likes the bright lights and the glamour and, and Hollywood and, and all that. So uh, we'll see this off. Yeah, but I think with the with the Lakers situation, I had a Lakers guy on here last week. Is that Rondo would sort of be because they have they're going to have an incredible amount of cap space, especially when that Kobe contract expires. That he'd sort of be the first piece, and then they'd sort of make another run at another guy. I don't want to mention the guy's name. His last name begins with D. If you don't, if you know. Oh, uh, <laughs> exactly. But but don't there isn't there another guy on that same team that people are talking about? Might go to L.A. I mean, he's a Los Angeles guy that begins with W. I mean, if we're throwing out initials, I mean, yeah, he's set to become a free agent also, Westbrook. And so I, I, I could see him going back to L.A. in a couple of years. Yeah, but I, I just think, you know, I, I personally think that Rondo's going to sign. This is just a prediction. We could be, He's going to sign for a deal that I think is going to be less than the max. I can't imagine any team is going to offer him the max contract this year. And it's just incredible to think that. Uh, you know, 10 months ago, because the max this summer isn't going to be what the max is, you know, two years from now, three years from now with this new TV deal. But I think Rondo's almost has to re- rehabilitate his image. And I'm not sure that's, just, you know, a smart thing for him because, you know, a few years ago, I was writing about this in that his game just relies completely on his athleticism where it's all taking his guy off the dribble. And once he's lost that athleticism, let alone now he tore his ACL two years ago, which I did not predict and no one did, that his game after the age of 29 I thought was going to decline drastically. And I guess you can sort of put me on record here, March 1st, 2015. I personally think he's going to be out of the league in five years. I think he'll get a deal with the Lakers. Come on, out of the league? I, 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 Come on, his Larry. Game, I mean, his, his game, game is not going to evolve correctly. I mean, evolve. It hasn't evolved at all. And when his athleticism just keeps going down, I mean, he's, you know, he'd be the third best point guard in the Celtics right now. Oh, come on. How quickly you forget. I mean, geez, I know the guy is struggling right now, but he still, to me, I, I would take him over Marcus Smart in terms of if I'm trying to win a championship tomorrow. Still give me Mar- uh, Rajon Rondo. Marcus Smart still has some growing to do. Rondo is having a bad season, no doubt about it. But, I mean, he's not that far removed from being the best player on the floor in Miami. I know he had the, the injuries and things like that, and he's having a bad season. But, I mean, gosh, you're ready to throw uh, dirt on the man's grave already. That, that was three years ago. That I mean, if you since the injury, he has been a below, statistically-wise and efficiency number-wise, he actually has... 
I mean, numbers that are below the league average for a point guard. And you have that, and he doesn't give you much defense. I just I don't know what he gives you. Wow. This, this, is, this is exactly what happens in Boston. A player leaves, and everybody wants to throw dirt oh, on him. And I'm not even a Rondo fan, this. Larry. I'm not even a Rondo fan. But I do remember to start this season, first month of the season, Rajon Rondo was playing pretty darn good. He's regressed since then, and I, I admit, he's lost. That something's not right there, but you know what? He's still a good player. And no, he's not a max player. I don't think he's a max player. But I don't think he'll be out of the league in five years. I mean, I would be, what, 34? Well, a lot of players at the age of 34, their games decline. So if I'm not, uh, you know, I expect the same thing with Rondo. Well, I'm putting it on record March 1st. I think he'll get a deal with the Lakers this summer. I think it's going to be a mess. He'll be a journeyman in about three or four years. I think he'll be out of league in five. And then, uh, you know, maybe he'll file a resume for Comcast Sports Night. He might be working alongside you on a Celtics pregame show. I wonder, Larry, were you the same guy last year calling him a top 10 point guard in the league? No. Same guy in November calling him a top 10 point guard in the league when he got a, a couple of triple doubles in, in early November. I mean, it. He's still, I think, a very talented point guard. He just has to be in the right system. And I don't think Dallas, I don't know why Dallas made that trade anyway in the first place. And I know, you know, in the playoffs, it comes down to a half-court game and maybe Rondo is, is better there. But Dallas was fine without Rondo. Their style, they don't need a ball-dominant point guard. And so I never understood that trade in the first place. Well, I'm a fair guy. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you have the last word. I'll let you get out of there on that. But of course, I'm probably gonna follow up when you go off the air. Kyle Draper, <laughs> always great for you to join us. Comcast Sportsnet. You can follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Draper TV. Kyle, thank you again, once so much. All right, Larry. Thanks, man. All right. Well, I still almost assuredly stand by what I said because this was my fear of Rondo when I was writing about him four years ago, especially during that 2012 run that he had against Miami is that I was very concerned about him once he got north the age of 30, and now he's not even 30, and obviously he suffered the torn ACL, but little guards, they've never really had much good careers after the age of 30 because, I mean, they break down a lot easier. We're seeing that with Rondo. Obviously, the big, the prime examples are Isaiah Thomas, Allen Iverson, and with Rondo, I mean, he never really improved his game. You combine that with the ACL injury, I... This guy's got journeyman written all over him now for these next few years, and he's not going to be around much longer because his game, it relies on athleticism. He has lost so much of that, so it really doesn't bode well for him. He never really made key improvements to his game. He was He's really the same guy now as he was at the age of 24, 25. He's just far at, less athletic, and that's why he is, quite frankly, as bad as he is, and he's only going to continue to get worse. And speaking of improving you know, said game or not improving a game. Got to, uh, got to talk here about Jared Sollinger. I mean, it's uh, very frustrating I, it, regarding him. Uh, we've discussed this on, you know, on prior shows, and I'm going to talk about it again because, quite frankly, I think it's urgent. I hate how, outside of adding a three-point shot, he's pretty much, you know, the same player he was when he first came in the league as a 19, 20-year-old rookie. He doesn't really – he's not any better – in and around the basket, which is his strengths. I mean, all, the only thing about him is his game is just a little more refined, which is basically based on the experience of playing in the NBA now these last three years. But obviously, the big thing uh, with him is he's never got into shape. And if you look at one player, his name is Walker Antoine. He got in worse and worse shape as his life went on because he was never vigilant about his body. 
Never really made improvements to his game. Once again, it almost just regressed once he got north of the age of 25. And now Sullinger has actually come out and said, oh, I've got to get into shape. You heard Danny Ainge come out and mention that this week on his radio appearance on 98.5. And I've been saying that on the show now for the past like month because I'm, I'm watching from afar. And I'm like, my goodness gracious, this guy just looks like the average Joe. He doesn't really look right. And, you know, Jared, this is now two season-ending surgeries in your three-year career. You make millions of dollars. You're not too far away from one possibly mega contract, a big payday. And... I mean, you say this now, like, oh, wow, you know, this is like your epiphany moment. I, I guess we all have it. I had one myself in terms of, you know, getting in decent shape. Although I have, I don't want to brag. I'd like to say I've always been pretty vigilant about my physical conditioning. But it is somewhat frustrating that he just sort of realized this now when he's got millions of dollars on the line. And when he has the opportunity that he has to play that sport, to play for that franchise, and to let two season-ending injuries finally give you that moment where it's like, bang, light bulb, I got to, you know, be in shape. So I hope with him it's not just him just talking the game and, I'm, you know, it's actually now doing something. But I must question what he's going to be doing to get in shape, you know, let alone endless sprints or, you know, burpees or power lifts or whatever. I mean, he plays basketball for a living. How in the world does he have the physique that he does which is that of the average American Joe, it looks like, at least on TV, I guess, or when you go to the games. But it's like you have to try to be out of shape when you're playing professional basketball for a living. I don't get it. So it's almost like I'm questioning what he's eating. I guess I don't want to get too personal because obviously I did a big piece on nutrition on CLNSradio.com over a month ago, and teams and players are far more vigilant about this and those that aren't. Maybe like Jared Sullinger, they're just left in the dust. And that's why you see these guys still get these nagging injuries. So I have no idea what Sullinger's lifestyle is. I guess I'm making assumptions here. You know, heck, I used to be one that just endlessly ran long distance every single day, sometimes twice a day, just to quote-unquote lose weight, burn the fat, until it finally drew on me like, geez, you know, maybe I should stop eating all this junk food, all this pizza and pasta and bagels and chips and you know, maybe if I stopped eating that and replaced it with real food, maybe I wouldn't have to work out as hard as I am. And presto, instantaneously, the, mo- the amount of exercise I did dropped. And I've rested a lot more. I recovered more. I got a lot more sleep. And now I'm in infinitely better shape because your, your workouts are better and they're shorter. So that allows you to recover a little easier and allows you to focus on other things. And for Jared Solinger's case, would be improving his basketball game. So... I also, by the way, uh, speaking of making your workouts better and, you know, recovering from such workouts, I just started using this protein powder, which is cold press, no high heat pasteurization, it comes from grass-fed cows. You got to check this out. Way Natural USA. Oh, my goodness. I got to get the website here. It's, uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> it's waynaturalusa.com. I mean, my experience, I've been using it for a little over a week. Friday alone, I had a pretty intense day working out my back, and I actually slept pretty lousy after the Celtics game, the big game. Yay, they beat Charlotte. And, you know, I kind of went to bed all, you know, all fired up. But I had that after my workout. And the next day, despite just five and a half hours of sleep, I was like completely recovered. I could still go to the gym and just start ripping off pull-ups. Of course, that wouldn't be the smartest things to do. But enough of that, obviously. Although, please, you definitely wanted yourself a favor and check that out. Way Natural USA uh, protein powder. Oh, my goodness. But uh, anyways, uh, enough about me and my, you know, I don't want to, we got to talk about the Celtics. Celtics beat. Got to talk about Jared Sollinger. You know, 
that, that physical conditioning is important for every professional athlete. And, you know, because and for him, Jared Sollinger, he's still the most valuable commodity on the Celtics roster, both now and moving forward, whether he's a guy that's going to be here or, you know, for the long term or not. So, Jared, you know, I, I do hope you finally realize that this is something that's key. <laughs> so I hope it's not just talk. I hope it's not to just appease a fan base, you know, to give words to an organization because talk is one thing it's about doing, and it's really not that hard either. It really isn't. It's just if you think it is hard, you're probably just doing it wrong. My advice, I guess, I don't know, if you go to the North End, you might want to focus more on eggplant dishes and not, uh, you know, the pastas and the pizzas and the pastries. That's if you do because I was, you know, once that, man, I was just – feast on that kind of food, especially after Celtics games, because we know how accessible that area is to the TD Garden. So, you know, you got to give that a look. Just you got to really do whatever you can do, because remember, you got one shot in the NBA and you got to take it seriously or else things could unravel for you pretty quickly like it can for any other athlete. All you got to do is look at that guy out there in Chicago who basically had a diet of Skittles and gummy bears. You know, look what happened to him. So, you know, you never know. You never know, but uh, speaking about the Chicago Bulls, we kind of shifting to some general NBA talk here. I got a good, really good guest coming in here. Josh Planos, who is a contributor for the Washington Post and many other outlets. So let's welcome on him on here. Josh, you know, I've had this discussion a lot, quite frequently on the show recently. And you know, you're in Nebraska, not exactly NBA heaven. But tell me, this year we've seen usual stalwarts like the Lakers and the Celtics down. In other cities with big market basketball franchises struggle as well. I mean, even you've got the Bulls. Now they're out of it with Derrick Rose going down. Philadelphia, let's not even get into that. And now the upper echelon teams are small markets like Memphis, San Antonio, Cleveland, or even markets that are not accustomed to having good teams to begin with, such as like Atlanta and even the Bay Area. Everyone I've had, I have on, I've asked this question. I'm going to ask you, is this good or bad for the NBA? Uh, I think we'd be uh, you know, remiss to think that it's a, a, a negative sign. I, I think that there's a lot of potential in, in growing these markets with growing the league. Obviously, like you mentioned, uh, you know, the top two teams in the Eastern Conference are Atlanta and Toronto. And you know, seemingly no one had them pegged as, as playoff contenders. Uh, San Antonio is not really in a place to, to be chasing a title right now, even though, you know, a lot of their players are, uh, you know, probably going to retire at season's end. And uh, I, I think it's great for the league. Obviously, you know, there's only so much parity to go around. Clearly, the, the bottom dumpster of the Eastern Conference is, you know, somewhat pitiful right now. But uh, I, I do feel like it's 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 fun, uh, if nothing else, to get uh, to get teams involved in the process to get teams involved in the playoff picture um and it just kind of it is a nice cherry on top of the sunday if they're uh you know smaller markets trying to 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 grow uh into the league yeah that's gonna sound all really hot and dandy now and i actually agree with your premise you know just to let you know and i have other reasons for it but that's gonna sound really nice now but what happens if let's say the nba finals is I don't know, the two number one, you know, seeds in, in the conference, Atlanta and Golden State. And as exciting as Golden State is to watch, and is actually as big of a television market they are, I can pretty much safely predict that that's not, that's not a series that's going to get very good television ratings. What would you say to that if it's, say, Atlanta or Golden State, or even something like Atlanta-Portland, or you know, taking out of the Bay Area market? I mean, would you, say, would you still say this is good for the NBA when those t- TV numbers come in in June? Uh, I think it's important to 
understand that what's best for the NBA might not be best for ratings. Um, obviously, in terms of revenue, it would be, you know, we'd have the Lakers play the Celtics every year, and that would be, uh, you know, the way it was cut, and, uh, you know, ratings would be through the roof. But, um, you know, these markets are never going to grow unless they get this opportunity to, to be on this national stage. And, you know, uh, a lot of people don't even watch the sport until the playoff starts, uh, you know, which is uh, something you find in, in all professional sports, really. But, um, you know, I, I think people would tune in for, uh, to see these uh, these new and exciting teams. I think the NBA, clearly with, uh, you know, the amount of money that's being funneled in and the, the recent, uh, you know, deals that have been made that are going to – that's going to allow players to be paid, you know, just incredibly lucrative contracts in the offseason. Uh, I, I think, you know, the NBA is really in a, in a good place, and uh, I, I think the ratings will come regardless of how you spin it. That's sort of what my argument was, and I agree with you. And I actually look at it more from a long-term perspective in that, I mean, you're right. If, if it was, say, you know, like Cleveland-San Antonio back in 2007 that had LeBron, that had a team that many fans had gone, you know, grown accustomed to in San Antonio, yet the ratings were disastrous, largely because of the TV markets. But if you do look at the long-term impact, you're right. I think it's better, and it's good that some of these markets that are not accustomed to having good NBA teams – can then become familiar with the sport. And I, you know, one of the, one of the arguments I make to that is while the NBA has definitely grown worldwide in the last 20 years, especially as soon as the Dream Team went over to Europe in 1992, it's grown worldwide exponentially. But I'd say it's definitely the interest in the NBA has flatlined at best, if not even rest, since the 80s and the 90s. And it would certainly be beneficial if differential teams to look at. What say you to that? You know, I, I think you make a good point when you when you say how, uh, you know, the, the interest in the league has flatlined, uh, yet the money hasn't. Uh, the money, if anything, is, you know, just kind of billowing out of out of areas we never really thought uh, would find. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the smaller market teams introducing them to the cycle, the revenue that, uh, you know, the NBA is churning out, I think is, advantage, uh, you know, an advantage for, for everyone involved. Um, I'm, I'm just excited to see new teams in the playoffs, quite frankly. And, uh, you know, I'll let the ratings fall where they, uh, where they may. Uh, in, in regards to the new revenue, I think it's, it's more than fair to say that I think inflation as well as the Internet has a lot to do with that. But I want to get on now also to, you know, we are on the, you know, the topic of, of small markets. We've seen the success of Oklahoma City. And, yes, granted, they have, you know, a great team, and they've had a great team now for so many years, and one of the best players of all time on the team. So you can see how that they're doing well. I mean, 10 years from now, if, they're not, if they don't have a good team, we'll see how that lies. But as I mentioned, you're in Nebraska, and as, you know, as much as we hear about, say, Seattle getting an NBA team back, you, know, you sometimes hear the chirps of St. Louis and Kansas City. They're thrown in there. And like Seattle, those were once NBA markets as well, people you know, forget. Do you think the NBA could generate enough support in these flyover states to support a team? Uh, I think you need to look no further than Nebraska's football team. Uh, I cover it um, for a, a local TV station here in town, and it's an army. You know, we have nothing else to, to put our interest in uh, athletically. So uh, everyone swarms Memorial Stadium. It has the longest active sellout streak in all of college football uh, 90,000 people get brought to one location each and every Saturday, and you don't find that um, pretty much anywhere else in the state. And I honestly think if, if you introduce an NBA team uh, to the market, people will flock. Uh, we just found out last week that we're going to get um, an exhibition basketball game 
between Chicago and Dallas next year, and it's already been sold out, um, which is, you know, pretty incredible considering that, the like you said, the closest team that, uh, you know, Nebraskans have to root for is uh, Oklahoma City. And, uh, but, but it just goes to show that there is an interest here, um, and Nebraska is something of a litmus test for the rest of the Midwest. I think that if you would go to some of those states, the Iowas, the Missouris, um, you, would, you would find a, a similar crop of people who are just looking to be entertained and looking to have something to, to you know, buy in and support. And, uh, you know, I, I would love it if, if Nebraska got a professional basketball team, and I think the rest of the Midwest would, uh, would, say, would say the same. And not just Nebraska or St. Louis or, or Kansas City or wherever, and even Seattle. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of talk about Seattle getting a team, but how would you, how, in, the, in your, I'm going to put you in, I'm going to let you play God here. Uh, in your ideal scenario, how, what do you think is best for said market getting a team? Would it be expansion, which, I mean, it sounds great, but I, it, I would say that it would probably further dilute the sport. Or would it be shuffling some teams around and, you know, moving some teams from certain markets that say, that say are not supporting their teams as well as they should? Um, I, I think, you know, you make a good point when uh, you discuss, uh, you know, maybe shuffling as the, uh, the better alternative. I think Sacramento, quite frankly, doesn't deserve to have uh, an NBA team, uh, especially when you see that, you know, there are four teams in California and seemingly one in the Midwest. Um, I, I think, a, a, you know, shuffling would uh, probably be a, a big part of the process. Obviously, there are teams like Atlanta and Milwaukee, teams that draw, you know, virtually no one or who drew virtually no one who are now, you know, because of success, uh, kind of growing their market, growing their attendance ratings. Um, so it, it'd be difficult to pinpoint, you know, exactly what year the transition would, would be made. But, um, you know, I'm with you on the expansion uh, diluting the the league, I, I think it just needs to, you know, stick with the uh, the amount of teams we've got and just maybe shuffle uh, shuffle the the cards at, at season's end. Josh, I kind of want to get you out of there on that before someone from Sacramento bangs you on the head with a cowbell. Got to tell you, I mean, I, I don't think Milwaukee's a possibility. I think they're getting a new a new stadium, a new, a new arena soon. But it certainly is interesting because I mean, I know the NBA is definitely growing. Uh, and I, I think that they would, they're definitely going to look at this overseas. I know that's a monster in itself in terms of, you know, getting teams back and forth. But that's clearly where the product is going. I mean, we hear, we hear a lot of talk about the NFL, you know, overseas. I think no professional sports league is going to be working together overseas until the NBA does it. So I think that's where they're going to be going. And if they're ever going to add a team to the United States again, it's, almost surely going to be Seattle because that's definitely the market that's sort of banging down for it. But it certainly will be interesting, you know, in terms of, you know, seeing the success of Oklahoma City that they're showing now that these, these Midwestern states can possibly, dare we say it, support the NBA. Yeah, and, and we've heard for, for years ever since they, uh, you know, they left Seattle that Seattle wanted to bring a team in. Obviously, when Steve Ballmer came in uh, in Los Angeles, you know, everyone was was clamoring that he was going to try and move the team back, and you know, there all there have certainly been a, a number of conspiracy theories introduced to the basketball dialogue. But um, you know, I, I my dad used to live in Seattle. I've been you know in the area. I've been to Sonics games, and uh, it, it was evident, uh, even though their their television ratings weren't great uh, in the you know last couple stages of their uh, their tenure there, but. Um, it was very evident that, that the people cared about the team, that the people wanted the team, that the people wanted to be there. 
And uh, I, I think that's something that clearly they miss enough to the point where, uh, you know, they're pretty much willing to do whatever it takes to, to get basketball back. Josh Planos, Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. You can follow Josh on Twitter at jplanos. Josh, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, guys. No problem, Josh. Let's do it again soon, but let's keep that NBA talk going. It's time for Around the NBA in Five. Obviously, I brought this up earlier. The latest news with Derrick Rose. He got the surgery on his knee. Prognosis is now four to six weeks, so he might return this season. Obviously, very sad story. He could very well wind up as the next Anthony Hardaway here because once you just start missing seasons like he has, I mean, he missed essentially, what, almost two full seasons last year and the year prior, and now he's in and out of the lineup this year. It's just, it's it's not good. And obviously, I don't want to just keep harping on diet here, but this was a guy who was you know, by all his accounts, stuffing his face with gummy bears and Skittles all those years. So, by the way, I guess Skittles is just not going to be a sponsor on this show. I think I've said enough about them where they're probably not too kind of us. But, I mean, Derek, it's just, uh, it could be too late at this point because, I mean, it's just, it's it's piling up, that's for sure. Uh, next topic, according to Bleacher Report, by the way, whomever thought we'd be saying that three years ago? You know, good Lord. According to Bleacher Report, Quote, everyone on the Sacramento Kings is available, unquote, including DeMarcus Cousins. Is that the next superstar to hit the trade market? Had this conversation with Sean Devaney this last week, excuse me, and that could certainly be the case. Yes, he has flaws defensively, but oh my goodness, come on. I mean, you've got to make that move there if and when he does come available. Celtics, they have the assets. The only issue is that I think they would need more proven talent. They can't just send over draft picks, particularly to a team like Sacramento, who has plenty of young players as is. They need proven players. That's why, you know, you wish Jared Sollinger would you know, be a little better than what he's been. So that way he'd be someone who'd be a little more enticing on a trade. But I think Danny Ainge would certainly, I mean, anybody, right, would certainly go all in to just have a dynamite offensive center like Cousins who you could build around for the next godforsaken how many years. NBA to publicize officiating at the end of games. Yay, I love the transparency. We get to see more things, and I know, obviously, the officials aren't too happy because, well, that's not fair. How dare people see what kind of job we do? Uh, yeah, I guess now maybe they might even be able to show the NBA draft lottery on TV as well because it's just one good step. Keep A lot of good steps here with Adam Silver. you got to love the job he's doing. I know he was in town for the Sloan Sports Conference, which I haven't mentioned on the show yet which is incredible because that's like the biggest thing that comes to Boston in terms of sports every year so I'm definitely looking forward to that Michelle Roberts what do I make of that I mean really I mean first off we know there's like so much players are willing to reveal in locker rooms or in front of these large media crowds but Michelle I mean what do you want them to do? I mean what do you want these media people to do just bombard your players with questions because I know reporters can do that you just opened up a pretty big can of worms there to create an even bigger disconnect I think that there already is between athletes and certain members of the media who could take that seriously and really egg them on. I don't think you'll see that here in Boston, particularly with, with the pros of pros that man the Celtics beat, of course, you know, with our own Jared Weiss leading the way, of course. YouTube.com slash CLNS Radio. Saving the best for last here. Speaking of Jared Weiss, uh, we got to do talk about Sloan Sports. You saw it on Jared's Twitter, uh, which is at CLNS underscore Jared Weiss. Celtics assistant GM. Mike Zarin, boy, this man is just relentless with the wheel, and I guess time to insert the reinvent the wheel joke here, huh? Because I'm not sure the draft lottery is uh, something that you can really fix or, you know, tanking in a way. It's just, I don't know. I mean, each scenario presents its new problems, new loopholes. I think you can certainly alter the, the, the draft lottery, but I'm just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just think that everything, I mean, you got Bill Simmons has his idea about, I mean, but these 
ridiculous tournaments. And I mean, it just, there's issues of all of them. And I need a lot more than around the NBA and five to get on all of them. I really don't want to. And with the way the draft is, I mean, these players aren't as good as they were coming out of college. So there is less of an incentive to tank when there's no more Patrick Ewings at the top of drafts or LeBron James because these players take that much longer to develop. So I don't know. I think there's bigger issues for the NBA, particularly the scheduling, which they did talk about at the Sloan Sports Conference as well. It's just generally, I think they definitely should get into that. I think we need a lot less in the NBA. I mean, just less of everything. Less fouls called, less games, less, 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 less. And to truly wrap this up, uh, obviously, this is our second week in a row of doing this, but we must mourn the passings of, first off, NBA pioneer Earl Lloyd, you know, died at the age of 86. And then, of course, the devastating news that came out this weekend, Anthony Mason, 48 years of age. I speak for all of us here at CLNS Radio who wish to pass along condolences along to both their families. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Anton Norling, Ostravex, Steph Legrato, and of course we had Tchaikovsky in there. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. You can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. That's facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. And of course on Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. I'd like to thank our guests. Kyle Draper of Comcast Sportsnet New England, Josh Planos of the Washington Post and Wall Street Journal. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Lynda.com, for making this all possible, as well as Peak Organic Brewing Company. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday with special guest Jeff Turner for another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.